Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you will use this city as a tool of witness in the lives of those who are struggling to live godly for you. I pray that it will bring deliverance and set the captive free. Lord, as it goes beyond the prison walls, the highway and byways, that it will compel those to come unto you. Lord, those that are struggling, that they'll begin to live victoriously. And Lord, when that race is over and it is all finished, Lord, they can come unto you and you will say, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. In Jesus' name. text is in Lamentations, third chapter, verses 21 through 27. Jeremiah, the prophet, is uh, sharing with us his experience in a dilemma. He says, this I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. It is the Lord's mercy that we are not consumed. Because his compassion fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him. To the soul that seeketh him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. Eternal God, we are grateful and thankful to you for this day is indeed the day that you've made. And we are rejoicing and we're exceedingly glad in it. We're thankful that, Lord, you brought us into a brand new year full of expectations and anticipation. We are blessed, Lord Jesus, again to have our sound mind, God, and Lord, a reasonable portion of health. We are grateful to you, Lord, that we still have hands to lift up and a voice to magnify your name with. God, we come to you now, God, and we ask as we, Lord, open up our Bibles. Let our hearts be open to hear what the Spirit of God has to say. And Lord, please lend me thine anointing. For it is through your anointing, through your anointed word, that hearts are convicted, minds changed, and souls saved. And when all of these things are said and done, when those that have never thought about repenting, repent, and they're baptized in your name, and you fill them with the Holy Ghost, we'll remember to give you the glory and the honor and the praise. Let everyone say in Jesus' name. name. Before you're seated, just please allow me to read to you from our text, but I just want to drop down into this verse, which is keynote, the 24th verse. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul, therefore will I hope in him. I like to minister to you from the remaining time that I have from the thought, have hope in a dilemma. Now, to make it personal before you're seated, turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, neighbor I, have hope I have hope in my dilemma. In my dilemma. God bless you. You may be seated. Hope in the noun form is commonly used to mean a wish. 
Its strength is in the strength of a person's desire. However, in the verb form, it is what something. You want something to happen or be the case. But I like to look at the biblical definition of hope. From a biblical perspective, hope is the confident expectation of what God has promised and its strength is in his faithfulness. Somebody say his faithfulness. Sure not ours because you know we scatter. We do us. But when God is faithful, he is faithful until the end. So I hope you can see the difference between the two. One is a wish or desire, and the other is certain or guarantee. Uh, to further illustrate it, in, in Hebrews 11 and 1, it says, Now, faith is the substance of things hopeful, the evidence of things not seen. Uh, but allow me to give you the rendering in the NIV. It says, Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Some of you can't see your way out of your dilemma. You can't see how God is, is able to bring you up and out. But it doesn't change the fact that God is able. Somebody shout, he's able. You see, the scripture brings to light that you cannot have hope unless it is tied together with faith. In essence, you have hope because you have faith. And you have faith because you have hope. Thank you, Jesus, because you have hope. However, don't get it twisted, my brothers and sisters. Just having faith in faith or hope in hope is not of real value. What matters most is the object of your faith. And hope that makes all the difference. See, what is the object of your faith? Is it the government with a check? Is it the scientists with a vaccine? We find ourselves as a nation facing one crisis after another. One crisis after another. But check this out. The whole world at large is facing the same dilemma. People are facing pressure, problems, and pain as a part of their everyday existence. I hope somebody feel me right here. For the most part, people face stress of life and just keep it moving. Although occasionally, their dilemma gets the best of them, causing them to crack, crumble, and crash, leaving them feeling hurt and hopeless. It's at this point, my brothers and sisters, that we must recognize that there is hope in the midst of our dilemma. Oh, I, I thought I'd get somebody to just be excited right there. I, I said that there is hope in the midst of our dilemma instead of despair. Is there anyone here in the house this morning? Is there anybody in the house of the Lord today that knows what it feels like to experience helplessness? Oh, can I get me some real folk? 
So if you understand that there are times where folk feel helplessness, they experience this helplessness, which in fact leads to or causes one to lose sight of hope in their present dilemma. Because you're focused on your dilemma and not the one that can bring you out of it. But we find ourselves now losing focus on the one that's able to do something about our dilemma. I'm here to encourage you today when it seems like all hope is gone and you feel you can't make it another day. Newsflash, we serve the almighty God, the one who is able to give you hope in the midst of your dilemma, breaking the spirit of despair and depression, which causes you to feel like there's no one who cares. Somebody say the devil is a liar. We all know that God cares for us. Because he told us in his word to cast all of our care upon him, for he careth for us, right? But there are times where we can just isolate ourselves and look at our dilemma, and we begin to think no one cares. I'm saying to you, people are longing to have hope in their lives and in the dilemma that they are presently facing. The source of all hope comes from one whom all blessings flow, and that is Jesus. (laughs) I thought somebody would jump on that one. We have to be willing to take God at his word, and that simply means every one of his promises are true. God is not a man that he should lie. So let's take a look at our text in Lamentations. First of all, the book of Lamentations is made up of five laments. What is a lament? That means it's something lost. You lost something. And so he has these five laments. And in the third chapter of Jeremiah, the third lament of the prophet is going to be dealt with. But let me tell you about the first two laments. They describe the plight of the city and the people. However, the third one describes his own personal pain and distress. Somebody say preachers go through it too. (laughs) Just in case you did not know. He he first deals with what it was like for the, the city and the people. But this third lament, he began to focus on his distress, his pain from one through eight. Jeremiah describes hopelessness. But in verse 19 through 39, he focuses on the hope that we have in God. No matter how bleak, somebody say how bleak it is. (laughs) And it can get pretty bleak. But no matter how bleak it appears to be or how desperate our situation might be, Jeremiah speaks for himself. But as he does, he also reflects the feelings and faith of the godly remnant of the Jews who heard God's word and sought to obey him. Let me just pause right there. There is going to always be a remnant, a few if you please, of people that no matter what, 
they're going to still live for God. Even in the midst of a pandemic, they still got their mind made up, their heart is fixed. I'm going to serve Jesus until I die. There was a small remnant that were willing to obey God's word. Somebody say, but the remnant wasn't the majority. The rest of those, they were hard-headed, stiff-necked, and unwilling to listen. Come on. You see, the prophet's pain was a result of God using Babylon as a rod to his wrath upon the Jewish nation. Let's stop there a minute. It says that God used Babylon to bring about chastisement. It was God that did it. God says, I'm going to have to bring them to a dilemma in order for them to encounter my goodness, my grace, my mercy. If you get an opportunity, you can read. Matter of fact, let, let me do that because we need to hear exactly how the, the man of God arrived to where he was in Isaiah 14, 3 and 8. Because it's dealing with how we can sometimes get caught up in the dilemma. And it shall come to pass in the day that the Lord shall give thee rest from thy sorrow and from thy fear and from the hard bondage where therein thou was made to serve. That thou shalt take up this proverb against the king of Babylon and say, how have the oppressor ceased? The golden city ceased. The Lord have broken the staff. Who did it? The Lord have broken the staff of the wicked and the specter of the rulers. He who smote the people in wrath with continual stroke. He that ruled the nations in anger is persecuted and none hindereth. The whole earth is at rest and is quiet. They break forth into singing. Yea, the fir trees rejoice at thee and the cedar and the Lebanon saying, since thou art laid down, no filler is come up against us. You see, there's going to come a time that in the midst of your dilemma, God is going to take Use that dilemma to bring you into an encounter with him that you'll see all along. Even in your dilemma, you could have hope. Oh, I wish somebody just praised him right there. In the midst of your dilemma, you can still have hope. But you see that prophet, Jeremiah, his pain was a result, again, of God using Babylon in such a strategic way to bring chastisement upon them. But the suffering of the people and the destruction of the city and the temple were the great cause of pain. These tragic events would not have occurred if the people had listened to him and obeyed God's will. You see what happens when we don't listen to what the spirit of God is saying to us through the man of God. Listen to what he says. Jeremiah, in the midst of all of that, his heart was heavy because he was preaching. 
He was crying out. He was prophesying. But the people would not obey God's will. Jeremiah had faithfully proclaimed God's word for 40 years. And yet the nation had turned a deaf ear. Is it no wonder that he suffered? No wonder he was feeling a certain kind of way. For 40 years, I'm pouring into you. 40 years, I'm giving you what thus said the Lord. And you saying, speak to the head. I ain't hearing you. The glory of the city had vanished and along with it, the people, along with this vanishing of the glory of the city and along with it also, the hope in the heart of God, people, God's servant in particular, was suffering. Why? Because he had a burden for the city. Let me, let me just stop here a minute. The majority of you, we got some that, that travel but the majority of you live in Aiken. Do you have a burden for your city? Do you have a burden every time you hear woo, sirens and, and seeing flashing? Do you have a burden to when you see and, and hear how the crime rate is going through the roof? How for one week it seemed like we were having shooting after shooting. You see, this man of God, he had a burden for the city. He had a burden for the people. And that's why, no wonder he was suffering. Because people, folk wouldn't listen to what he was saying. But this cry of despair was the turning point in Jeremiah's lament. He's now focused on the Lord. See, now as he's crying out to God, now as he's lamenting, now as he's getting a hold of the horns of the altar, if you please, now it's about the Lord from whence his help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth and not one for himself and his dilemma. Not one time now is he thinking or focusing on what he's dealing with, but he's focused now on the Lord. And after that, he says, I have hope. Turn to that neighbor and don't say it if you don't mean it. Say, I have hope, I have hope. in the midst of my dilemma <laughs> after this now he says in verse 21 I have hope I wish I could get somebody just to understand what I'm trying to say to you this morning that just because you have a dilemma just because you've got a certain set of circumstances you've got to remember whose you are he says this I recall to my mind therefore have I hope. In other words, we sing the song when I look back over my life and I start to think things over. I can truly say that I'm blessed. Why do I have a testimony? Because I had a test. Why do I have a testimony? Because I had a dilemma. Why do I have a testimony? Because God used a dilemma to encounter him to let me see that I've got hope. When Jeremiah began to change his focus to the Lord's promises, we find Jeremiah turning from contemplating on his own misery to remember God's mercy. He still experienced pain and sorrow. Hello. I want somebody to get that. Although you done amped up your prayer life. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. 
Some of y'all getting ready to enter into a season of fasting. It doesn't change the fact that God is going to allow you to encounter him through a dilemma. And personally speaking, your dilemma and your dilemma. He still experienced pain and sorrow, but he also was called to mind the faithfulness of the Lord. And this gave him hope. And verses 19 through 21, there's a pessimist, an American newspaper editor, Henry L. Minkin. He called hope a pathological belief in the occurrence of the impossible. But no true child of God. Do I got any true children of God in the house? I said no true child of God could accept that definition. (laughs) So a man by the name, a powerful preacher, a powerful man of God named A.W. Tozer said it better when he called hope. The divine acclimate that transmutes the base metal of adversity into gold. I say, preacher, what are you saying? When you think about, he said, the divine actomy, that's the process in which they use to take metals and get all of the puritans out or impure things out. That way you can then come forth with gold. Well, we, we heard James Cleveland say, please be patient with me. God is not through with me yet. <laughs> we love the course, though. But when God gets through with me, see, my brothers and sisters, guests and our visitor, God is not through with you. He's still got a dilemma on the horizon. Although we stepped into 2021, we still got COVID to deal with. But God says, I'm going to be in the midst. Who would have thought that we could have revival? in the midst of a pandemic. Oh, let me leave that one alone. Listen, when Tozer said that, we've got scripture that will back it up. In 1 Peter 1, 6 through 8, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. Verse 7, that the trial of your faith being much more precious. Oh, thank you, Jesus. That the trial of your faith is much more precious than that of gold that perisheth. Though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise. Thank you, Jesus. Stop letting your circumstances dictate how you're going to praise God. What is your dilemma? And how much are you listening to your dilemma instead of hearing what the spirit of the Lord is saying? He said, and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Verse eight, whom having not seen, ye love in whom though now ye see him not yet believing. Ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Joy unspeakable. <laughs> if I could give me maybe one or two, maybe three or four people that can, can relate to that. Having such joy. 
You can't even articulate. Your lips can't even form what you're trying to get. That's when God says, you know, I know what you're saying. I know what you're trying to get out. Because it's joy, unspeakable, and it's full of glory. Hallelujah. The realization of God's mercy, compassion, and faithfulness generated hope in Jeremiah's soul. And his contemplation of trouble became a confession of faith. (laughs) Look at what God will do. He'll turn that thing around. What the devil meant for evil, God meant it for good. I want to say this. When you find yourself getting knocked down to your knees, which sometimes our dilemma can do, it'll put us right to the knee position. Oh, but my God, saints of the most high, know now that you're in the battle position. Know now that you're in a position that you can cry out to God. And he'll hear your uncle cry. While on others he is calling, he won't pass you by. No, he won't. No, he won't. Hallelujah. Because the Lord loves us, he chastens us. Hello. That part we don't like, but you can read it in Hebrews 12, 5 through 11. Whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. And the only reason, if you don't get spankings by daddy, you're a bastard child. He won't spank nothing that's not his. <laughs> no. Okay, y'all don't believe me. How many of y'all go around spanking other people's children? <laughs> you bet not. <laughs> they be like, who are you? He chastens those whom he loves. And he does not, I repeat, does not have any bastard children. They're legitimate. Somebody say, I'm legit. <laughs> I belong to him. Every part of me, the good, the bad, and the, I belong to him. I am his, and he is mine. He chastens us, but he does not consume us. He disciplines, but he doesn't destroy. Unbelief causes us to look at God through our circumstances, and this creates hopelessness, but faith. On the other hand, enables us to look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. I said that faith causes us to look at our circumstances through the reality of God. And this gives us, somebody shout, hope. (laughs) I've got hope in my dilemma. Someone once said this, look at yourself and you'll be depressed. Look at circumstances and you'll be Distressed, look at the Lord and you'll be blessed. <laughs> oh, somebody need, to, somebody need to agree with me right there. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Thank you, Jesus. Now that we understand that the Lord is our portion, your portion, that means he's your inheritance. How many of you know what the inheritance that he gives you? You ain't going to never go broke. He now says that the Lord is our portion. That simply means we are strengthened by that which cannot be used up or destroyed. My flesh and my heart faileth. God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. In Psalm 73 and 26. 
I cry unto thee, O Lord. I said, thou art my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Psalms 142 and 5 and Psalm 73 and 26 and then 142 and 5. Again, God is our eternal source of strength. He is the source from whence all blessings flow. He is our strength, our hope and our blessing. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Somebody said that means my dilemma. <laughs> Psalms 46 and 1. Our circumstances change as do our feelings about them. But God is always good, loving, merciful, kind, and he never changes. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> you know, some of us, we so... <laughs> We so weathery, you know, we change with the weather. But man, God is consistent. He never changes. No, you know, the Bible says Jesus the same yesterday and today and forever. Hebrews 13 and 8. To build life on that which is always changing is to invite constant unrest and disappointment. But build on the changeless and the eternal is to have peace. And confidence. As Jeremiah com- contemplated the character of God, he realized that the best thing that he and his people could do was to wait. Somebody shout, wait. wait. And not just wait, but wait patiently and silently. Look at those three things. Wait patiently, wait on the Lord, and be of good courage, and he shall strengthen our heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Then he says, wait, but then how do we wait? Patiently. You know, not like, come on now, you know, by, by now you should have done this for me. And then it says silently. That means zip it up. Mm-hmm. How's it going today? Mm-hmm. You see, we've got to wait patiently and silently for the Lord to work and accomplish his will. Somebody said, I have a due time, but I just don't know when. God is gracious. God is great in faithfulness. God is good no matter how you feel or what you see, but it isn't enough just to sit and to wait. We must also seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. We must seek the Lord and then draw close to him. In my closing, I'm sure that every man, woman, boy, and girl in this place will agree with me that in spite of all of the challenges we faced in 2020, We're still looking with eyes that are full of hope as we come into 2021 with great anticipation and expectation of what God is about to do in you, in you, in you, and in through the ministry. God is about to do his greatest work through those who are the called according to his purpose. The question I leave you with is how are you handling your dilemma. Do you have hope or are you in despair? With every head bowed and all eyes closed, Lord Jesus, I am grateful to you that you have graced us with your presence. I realize, God, it wasn't probably like I thought it would be, but it's just what you knew the people needed. And even Juan, yes, Lord, I need to be reminded of your goodness and your mercy and your grace. Lord, as we are here, God, let us with humble hearts listen to what you're saying 
there were great lessons in 2020 that we should have learned. God forbid we did not learn them and we have to carry them over to 2021. Help us, Lord, again, with great expectation and anticipation to look at what you're about to do and how you're about to do it and who you're going to use will be those that are the called according to the purpose of God. If there's anybody here today, and as the word was going forth, you, you felt a need to just come and have a talk with Jesus. The altar is always open. You always have a standing invitation to come just as you are. Maybe wearied, maybe worn, maybe even sad. But I promise you, you will find a resting place in him. You'll find the peace of God that passeth all understanding that'll keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I'm saying to you, have hope in the midst of your dilemma. Thank you, Father. I gotta give you thanks. Because, Lord, everything that you have done, I didn't look at the now. I thank you, Lord, for the release of every chain. Everywhere I go, God, I gotta give you praise. Because you have heard my cry. We have been smothered by the grace of God and it has brought us joy. Therefore, Lord, we was able to make a joyful noise in this city. We have learned to forgive. And with that in mind, God, I just can't stop praising you. In the name of Jesus, we give you praise. Amen.